Happy New Year and welcome to the Soap Wizards podcast. My name is Ben Becker. I am joined by the great Kevin Broom. Happy New Year, Kevin. I'm sorry, I was confused. The great Kevin Broom? Who's that? I'll see if I can go find him. (laughs) Happy New Um, Year, Ben. How you doing? (laughs) Well, you know, this is a very... uh, this is a very esoteric and specific audience. So, within the context of that audience, you are you are great. Let's just <laughs> let's just leave it at that. Uh, yeah, have, let's leave it there. <laughs> uh, speaking of things we want to leave behind, uh, 2018 is over, and we are into 2019. We have a lot of wizards going goings on to discuss. It's been a fairly uh, eventful few weeks, has it not? I'm not sure what you mean. I, what are we? What are we going to talk about? I, well, you, know, you the were first pressuring thing... me to do this, and I'm like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> we, well, th- there was a failed trade that <laughs> that you may recall. Unfortunately for you, uh, you were not on on Twitter watching the failed trade unfold live, um, and we don't really have a lot to say on the failed trade that hasn't been said at this point. Um, that would have, I guess, sent Kelly Oubre to Memphis and fell apart over a, uh, a mistaken identity situation. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, it was uh, pretty embarrassing and stupid. Yeah, I, yeah. There's just no way to say that that was anything other than, than embarrassing. Now, I, have, I will say I saw a few things. Ben Falk told a story on his site about uh, a time when there was a mistaken identity um, you know, in a trade that they were working on. And so this is the kind of thing that it's not unusual for it to happen. I guess it's unusual, but it's not, um, you know, it's not also not the norm. Um, but it it does happen. It's just that it doesn't happen quite so publicly. And it's usually not something where parties in the trade find out about it by reading Woj's tw- tweets. Yeah, I, you know, I talked to an NBA agent about this specifically, and their response was that it was incredibly embarrassing for the Wizards and also that it was mostly going to blow over mm-hmm. pretty soon. It's a product of social media. If this had been pre-social media, there may have been uh, a newspaper story about it and, and, and maybe a quote, but there wouldn't have been this unbelievably dramatic, entertaining mm-hmm. uh, a few hours on, on Twitter where, uh, you know, watching the trade blow up in real time. Yeah. It, 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 it honestly, what it does is feed into a narrative that the Wizards front office doesn't know what they're doing, and uh, the hope with a situation like the, the hope that is that a situation like this would never happen because there are systems and procedures in place within an organization that would prevent it from ever happening, mm-hmm. which obviously wasn't the case. And and the subsequent hope is that after this all fell apart and, and the Wizards looked ridiculous, that there was a, a sit-down amongst the brass and the staff, and someone said, okay, how are we going to make sure this doesn't happen again going forward? And, you know, if I had to guess, that didn't happen, but but who knows? Yeah, well, I... I would say that it probably did happen in some way, you know, where at very minimum, you know, 
say this for for the Wizards. I mean, their their front office is not like necessarily the most uh, competent, but they do have folks who work in the front office who are conscientious. And I'm thinking of one guy in particular, and I'm pretty sure that he would go into come out of something like that and say, "Okay, that is never going to happen again." You know, yeah. we'll make sure that who at least say aloud the first and last name of every player that we're <laughs> talking about trading, and, you know, whenever we're finalizing the deal so that we can be sure of who we're actually trading. So I think that's enough of they've they've been embarrassed enough that, like I say, they, they do have guys in the front office who are very conscientious and they would at least make sure to, to take some steps to make sure that that could never happen again. Well, okay, so as for the cost of the blown trade itself, mm-hmm. they cost themselves a second-round pick because the initial uh, the initial trade consisted of a second. More importantly, I think they it sounds like they really damaged their relationship with Memphis, but again, who knows if that was just PR bluster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Memphis is actually a, a team that I thought that could be a, a good trade partner should the Wizards hopefully decide to flip uh, Trevor Ariza if they uh, if they continue to, to to be the Wizards and 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 not be a particularly good team and and so maybe you cross Memphis off that list but um, as to the ultimate trade itself it was a simplified watered down version mm-hmm. they trade Austin Rivers who was just terrible for the Wizards mm-hmm. and they traded Ubre and and they got Ariza um, back they. They improved seemingly most by getting Rivers out of their rotation. Yeah. Um, and they made a move that that, that showed they, it's important for them to be better now, which is even weirder given the news of the past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But, but, but tell the people all the things you hated about this trade. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about everything? Um, I mean, not can't say everything. I mean, I like Trevor Ariza. I think everybody likes Trevor Ariza. I love Trevor Ariza. He's a good guy, and he's a solid player. And even at 33, he'll you know he's been below average so far in Washington. But he, over the course of the what's left of the season, assuming he stays, he'll probably end up you know PPA 90 to 100 somewhere in there. He's like at 83 with the Wizards so far. So you know he he is what he is, and he's he's fine, and he probably helps the locker room a little bit. But the thing is, is you've given up now your former first-round pick, Kelly Oubre, and they've traded him in a deal to get a 33-year-old who probably won't be back next year, or he's going to be easy to resign in part because nobody wants him because he'll be 34 years old and likely to fall way off. It would seem that a much smarter approach to trading, to using Ubre as a trade chip would be to include him as a sweetener in some other deal, some other deal where you're trading away, uh, you know, one of the big three, one of the three max salary guys, or you're trading away um, one of, let's say, you know, maybe dumping Mahinmi's contract or on somebody with some cap space and who's willing to absorb him for a year, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Rather than trading him for a 33-year-old rental who, you know, might have, you know, his drop-off could come at any point. He's basically pretty much within the range, the lower end of the range of where he's been throughout his career. I'm talking about Ariza. And 
he's likely to stay at that level for, you know, maybe the rest of this season, and then he'll probably be a little bit worse the season after that, and then he's probably pretty much done at that point, you know, 34, 35 years old, at least as a really useful, productive player. My guess is by, you know, within two, three years, he'll be an assistant coach somewhere. So Yeah, if I were to try to construct a, an argument against you, I would say, well, they also got Ariza's bird rights, and so, but but that falls apart really fast for a couple reasons. For one thing, the Wizards, you know, they, they just can't afford to sign Trevor Ariza for for what he's likely to get on the market. For one thing, I mean, I, I think his next contract, someone will will overpay him because at this point, he's Trevor Ariza, and there's a there's a mysticism that comes with him, um, but. But at the same time, it's exactly what you just said. Like, why, why give a guy a multi-year deal who's already average at best, in all likelihood below average, and 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 very likely to um, to fall off a cliff production-wise over the course of his next deal, and it could be, and it could be very soon. Yeah. So. And I love Trevor Ariza. I mean, he's he's um, he's fun to watch, mm-hmm. um, and and I, and I like the way he plays. But from an opportunity cost and asset management standpoint, it it just doesn't make sense. And and this is coming from the perspective of someone or someone's who were not particularly high on Kelly Oubre. Mm-hmm. But but there's a difference between um, actual value and market value. And I think the fact that and I think Ubre and his uh, restricted free agency rights had some market value, and and I, and I don't I don't think the Wizards maximized that value or close. Yeah, I, I uh, mean, in a, in a way, it's a little bit it's it's a better deal than the one that they made the Gortat for Rivers, but that was very similar where they traded you know well in that case they traded an older player who was not getting along with John Wall and who um, was clearly in decline, but was still a lot better than Austin Rivers. And they, they, I mean, if Jesus, if Austin Rivers is the best player you could get for Marching Gortat, they would have been much better off just bringing him back and, you know, getting a, getting a counselor or an arbitrator for the arguments with Wall. But, well, look, um, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. It was my next point, and, mm-hmm. and you said it over the summer that, that was a dumb deal, and and the 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 Ubre trade closes the book on the on the Gortat Rivers trade, and and you look at the um, it, you look at the, the the ripple effect of that Gortat trade. Well, for the, the Wizards were without a starting center for a, for a minute, mm-hmm. and uh, there was that famous or or infamous in Wizards Twitter Grunfeld quote about, you know, being comfortable with Jan Mahinmi as their starter and yeah, he's, you know and, and Jan he's, he's is won really, a playoff series. Jan Mahinmi has really shown how how what a great comment that was. <laughs> right. But but if they don't if if they don't make the Gortat Rivers trade and if they say, you know what, we're just gonna everyone's gonna cool off and take a deep breath and we're just gonna deal with this, they don't sign Dwight Howard and have this um whole Dwight Howard mess. Yeah. Um, and and they still would have claimed Thomas Bryant. That, you know that they did that. Um, they did that in, independent of the Howard signing, and um, we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. But um, 
they wouldn't have used the mid level. Uh, so uh, on 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 Howard, they so either they would have spent it on someone else bad, or maybe used less of it and mm-hmm. been in less of a crappy financial situation. But but when people jump up and down about bad moves, it's not be- always because of the move itself. It's because of the it's because of the ripple effect. Yeah. And um, uh, well, you want to talk ripple effect? Uh, I mean, Gortat obviously he he's not been very good this season. He's in decline. He's older and all that kind of stuff. But with Gortat here, he probably um, doesn't get hurt, right? And so Thomas Bryant might still be languishing on on the bench, uh, not playing because. I could very well see Brooks going with uh, Gortat and Morris as the backup center, and you know, we we would never know that Thomas Bryant can actually see. Play. There's that. All right, so so really, Ernie <laughs> Grunfeld's playing chess. Yeah, this is like when the rest of uh, it's that meme with the guy tapping on his temple, yeah. like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Ernie's like this is eleventh eleven dimensional test uh, chess. Yeah, that's it. So yes, Ernie is 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 playing chess and it will be interesting to see how he plays the hand that that he and the wizards have been dealt with uh john wall's injury uh there's a lot to unpack with with that with 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 the injury so wall's out six to eight months um which means he's obviously out for the year Mm -hmm. but in all likelihood healthy for training camp uh, by the way, a uh, a parallel dawned on me. Didn't Gilbert Arenas sign his extension and then get hurt before it actually kicked in? Also, mm, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember that. Um, the the details. That was a long time ago. And uh, speaking of age related decline, um, I I don't remember. Uh, so yeah, it's, bottom line. Not a great situation for uh, for the Wizards to have a, a major surgery and rehab for Wall as he's getting ready to start his four-year Supermax, whatever it is, $170 million contract. Um, it would seem, it, there was been a lot of Wall trade chatter. We've talked about it. Mm-hmm. It would seem super unlikely at this point that he's traded before playing again because you know what what organization in their right mind would would would, would trade for a, a you know a player like that on a contract like that without getting some verification that it, he's healthy yeah especially considering the way he was playing before the the lack of of movement etc is that you've got to if you're another team you really have to make sure that that was because of the injury and not something else and and so, you know, I feel a little bad because I was I've been pretty critical of Wall this year over his play and his lack of effort and he, he's clearly been been dealing with an injury and at the same time uh I'm mystified at how the how Wall and the organization have both managed and to a lesser extent, messaged uh, the this injury that he's dealing with. You know, if if he's not if he hasn't been well enough to play and it's keeping him from running and playing defense and all those things, 
he just shouldn't have been playing. And and I, and I guess that's I saw an interview with him. We basically got to that point. He just didn't think it was it was fair to him or teammates or whomever to play one game and rest two or whatever. But it 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 just it the whole thing feels clunky. I mean, I got to say that that goes right along with you and I have talked about this with with other things with related to the Wizards, their messaging, their their overall PR operation, how they tell their tell stories, how they release information. You know, a, a good example of this is the the playoffs last year where you had Brooks, you know, saying some things about Otto Porter for example, talking about you know, sort of maligning Porter's effort a little bit and then it you know, letting when the real story there was that Porter was playing with a strained calf that turned out to be compartment syndrome the entire time, and they 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 never went out there with that information to say actually what Porter tried to do was heroic. I mean that's the way if I was doing their PR I would have presented that story, and they should have been doing could have been doing the same thing with Wall, and that is to say. Look, Wall's got this heel problem, and what he's doing is heroic. He wants this team to win. He's really committed, and he's trying to fight through it, and it's affecting his performance. And you know, now we're going to take a look at getting it fixed, that sort of thing. That's the story they should be telling and that they should be sort of peddling out there, and it's still not. It's just like, oh, well, he's got this heel thing, and now he's going to get season-ending surgery. And it's, it, it's just, I, I don't, I mean, I understand that, you know, in the moment, you don't necessarily want to let on to the opposing teams, the extent of the problem, but those opposing teams are watching game film and they have statistical guys who are yeah, evaluating. They, they see numbers. that he's not moving. They can see, you know, if, if Zach Lowe is seeing it and writing about it, you know, he's a good observer. He's, and that kind of thing. And he picks that up. He's, he's seeing that other teams are seeing the same things, you know, the, their, their evaluations, all these, these teams are watching and studying and evaluating. And so they can see that there is something that's not right. And so, but at this point, th- yeah, they should absolutely be out there with, look, what Wall did was hero- heroic. He was really trying to help and lead the team and it wasn't working. His body is, is letting him down now, you know, and that's the PR part of it. There, there's uh, the whole basketball side of it, which, which we will get to, but th- that's the PR side of it. Well, th- part of the basketball side of it is looking back a little bit because in all of the um, excitement when Wall stood up on the proverbial scores table and said, I want to be in D.C. and I don't want to be a free agent. And oh, by the way, there's this little Supermax contract on the table uh, <laughs> that... Um, and we discussed it. You were the one who, I wouldn't say sounded the alarm a little bit, but but who pumped, pumped the brakes at least in terms of what it was that the Wizards were likely getting. And it's all basically come to fruition, particularly Wall has, it's, it's known that Wall's been dealing with leg issues, a variety of leg issues since he's, come into the league he's had um he's got arthritic knees and and all you know all this stuff is connected so now now it's the it's this heel issue and they committed the maximum amount of resources that they possibly could to him knowing that he was dealing with this stuff and you said that this is likely to show up and and 
and bite him a little bit. And, and here we are before the contract has even started. And, um, and that's, and, and the wizards are in some, some trouble as it relates to, to John Wall. Is that fair to say? Yeah. You know, um, I went back and listened, uh, to the podcast, the season preview podcast we did from 2017. So this is October, 2017 and folks, it's, it's still out there so you can go and listen. And I went back and listened to that. And then I looked at, uh, you know, some of the analysis that I did at the time and that this is also something that I wrote about, uh, last May on bullets forever. So, but at any rate, what I found was that players like wall, tended to peak at about age 26 and that by you know 28 29 certainly by 30 they were in pretty significant decline and can then you, can i stop you for a second and yeah. ask what what you mean by players like wall so this is you know basically how i do my projections uh, every season you know for the team and to to forecast the record and all that kind of stuff and so what i do is i run every player through you know what i sort of jokingly call my statistical doppelganger machine. And what that does is it looks for players who are similar to the, the, the main player. So I put John Wall in and it spits out a bunch of players who are similar in terms of similar production at a similar age. And the similarities are based on how they produce their stats. There is the overall, I do include, you know, the overall production of PPA in there. I do include things like playing time in there. Um, and age, but then it's also like, uh, does a player get more assists or, you know, more rebounds and all that kind of stuff. And it all sort of balances out to produce players who are similar, um, to, to wall. So walls comps are mostly like, you know, point guards who, um, were fairly athletic, um, and, you know, were people like Isaiah Thomas and, um, I'm trying to remember. I'm, I don't have it in front of me right now, but th- th- this is all online, um, you know. But it's basically a lot of these sort of athletic guards, and then I I can look at what those guys did, and you know, in that article at Bullets Forever, there's a uh, you know what Wall's career PPA is, you know, his season by season, and then I also plotted on that same graph the average PPA of the players like him, and the arcs are very similar. Um, and he spiked a little higher at 26 than the average, which you would expect, but that's basically when the the group peaked and then it just tapers down from there. And so by the time, by the time you get to 30, the players are generally speaking average or worse. And the other factor that comes in and by 32, when Wall's contract is ending, they're well below average as a group. Um, I think all of them were well below average at that point. And then the other thing that happens is, that the the player's availability goes down as well. In other words, the guys get hurt and they're they they tend to miss more and more time. But you take a guy like Isaiah Thomas, I mean, he was done being productive by 30 31 and then I you know, he he was basic and then he was done. He was out yeah, of the league. Yeah, he just he retired. Uh in Wall's case it it's interesting and scary that you know the question is is he going through is is this injury basically a product of age-related decline is his body breaking down and he is he just is he never going to be i mean i don't i don't i'm not particularly optimistic that he's going to be 
all of what he was, but is he never going to be close to what he was again? Or is this, is the surgery an opportunity for him to get right and, you know, maybe he reconstitutes his game a little bit and, and, and along with, with, with some more holistic strategy from, from the team and, and, and they still get a good player out of it. But, but the fact that he's missing eight, eight months with, with four years left on a, on a deal is, is, is not ideal. Yeah. Four years left after this. I, I mean, my guess is that we would be looking at probably, you know, a couple more years that are about the level that he's been the past couple years, which is last season he was a PPA 128. This year I think he's going to come in at 120. That's what it what it was. Yeah, 120 is what I'm looking at right now. So he'll be, you know, 120 for this year, which is above average. He's still he's not bad. He's still a decent player, and I think it's very unlikely that we would see him get back up to that 165 level where he peaked. I think that's probably going to be his career peak. And uh, that's not yes, to say that I believe they... our our I believe our text exchange was I wrote you and said, "Is sixteen seventeen wall gone forever?" And you responded, "Yes, yes." So, yeah, yeah. Now that's not to say, but in you know, in terms of reconstituting his game, I I, I like the sound of it. I've been talking about that for eight years, nine years. Yeah, I mean, as long as he's been basically been in the league, and so, um, and this year, you know, he's done some things differently. You know, his, his shot profile has changed. He's taking fewer uh, of the long twos, although that was mostly earlier in the season. And then as the season wore on, he started taking more mid-range jump shots because he f- was more comfortable. He said it made him feel more comfortable. And, you know, if, if he's going to keep doing that, you know, he's 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 hurting the team. He's he's throwing away, you know, <laughs> what what he could be doing for that. Can I inject some can I at least inject some squinty-eyed optimism here yeah, for Absolutely. A okay. No, so, no, no. Forget it. No. I revoke my permission for optimism. Yeah, go ahead. Um okay. So the Wizards obviously need to get real about the rest of Wall's career mm-hmm. and so they have to be smart about his minutes like he can never be a 36 38 minute guy again not yeah not in the regular season yeah not yeah right right. not in in the in the regular season um you know the tougher part is is his place in the i hate the word hierarchy in this sense but it but it really does apply they've got to change the the way that they play a little bit mm-hmm. and i think wall has shown so far that that is that's tough but um he's also really smart mm-hmm. and uh I, I think that he could he could be convinced um they he's going to be monstrously overpaid over the course of his deal but as you pointed out that doesn't mean he's going to just be bad in in fact he's likely to be good um just not great just not very good or let alone great and so therefore they'll be getting you know some somewhere maybe around half the production in, in terms of what he's paid but that doesn't mean that that they can't manage around that mm-hmm. um and 
it, it comes down somewhat to roster construction, but, but there's some leadership issues also. And, 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 and there's definitely got to be buy-in from wall. But I, I do think that, that you can show him a path forward where he's successful and the team is successful and um, he's not he, he's not using 30% of the possessions while he's on the floor. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what that is, but I do think it's I do think it's possible and and given the fact that he's not going anywhere anytime soon via trade, I don't think that just because he's not going to play until next year means that the Wizards are doomed for the next 4 years. They may <laughs> be doomed for for other reasons, but but they don't have to be. This doesn't. This is not a franchise death sentence. That's my point. Right. I think that they're. How can I say this? The 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 relatively doomed in the sense that they're not. I don't think that they can compete for a, like a championship with this group. Maybe you know if they get really lucky in the lottery or something like that, they they bring in a, a guy who can transform their fortunes and all that kind of stuff. That that's certainly possible, but. You know, barring some stroke of luck, they they don't have with this group the talent sufficient to do that. But like you said, assuming that Wall stays with the team, and you know, I, I think that that's very likely at this point for the remainder of his contract. There isn't, there is, there are things that they can do to to help him to, um, you know, to maximize what he does well in a way that can really help the team and, you know, help the team grow and, and be as good as they can be. And it could be a really entertaining group that, you know, annually scares the hell out of somebody that's that's good in the playoffs and before bowing out in the playoffs. And, you know, you can have fun with that and maybe even make some money. They're going to have to be super efficient and really good at identifying bargains because, you know, Wall is, is going to cost a ton of resources and they they're not going to have many to go after, uh, you know, d- d- other top players. So they're they're going to have to figure out how to do this um, by by getting real bargains over and over and over again throughout that four years. Well, speaking of of bargains, uh, let's talk about Thomas Sadoransky a little bit because uh, it, it's funny he's he's actually not playing as well this year as he was last year uh, and i think ppa bears that out yeah but um <clears throat> excuse me he's he is he's getting recognition um from from brooks for one you know from scott brooks i don't want to mistake anyone thinking i was you know talking about dylan brooks um <laughs> from, from scott brooks for one and and he's getting playing time and and as this re- relates to wall um, elevating Sadoransky's role within the team and just saying, you know what, this is a guy who is going to be part of our core for the next few years, and um, that means he's going to he's going to play, you know, call it eighteen minutes a night, eighteen to twenty minutes a night at um, at the point, and maybe that'll be thirty-two minutes on the nights that Wall rests on back-to-backs, which, by the way should should be certainly be a component of of managing wall going forward over the course of an NBA season like the um, you know walls just got to play less in order for them to get more out of him but but so Sadoransky should be um, should be elevated 
And part of the opportunity in that is, you know, to come over here, he was willing to sign what I thought at the time was a below market contract. Mm -hmm. And, and, and he's, and he's headed into restricted free agency. And I think there's a conversation to be had with him and his people say, look, we, you're a critical part of our team for the next few years. You're in your prime. Um, come be a part of it. And I, I don't think even with all the money that's out there this summer, I don't think someone's paying Sadoransky the mid-level. I, I could be wrong about that. So um, you had shot me some salary formula numbers on him saying mm-hmm. that suggested that he was worth in the 9 million range next season. Yeah. Something I don't, like. I don't think he gets on the market anywhere close to that. And so if I can sign him for, you know, three years at 15 million or, 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 you know, four years at, you know, 19 or, or, or whatever it is. Um, I, I think that's an opportunity to, to to create some value, if you will. He's not he he's not great, but he's good, and he's and 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 I feel like the the team is at its best when he's he's part of their DNA. What because the things he does, like making the extra pass and the way he moves the ball and um, cuts and all yeah. that stuff, they are their best when when he's when he's empowered. Yeah, I concur with most of that. I, I'd be interested to see what the market is. I don't think the market will be really high for him because he he does things that are uh, not typically the things that teams want to pay for, meaning he's fairly low usage and he just, like you said, he moves the ball. He just makes a bunch of good plays and teams really don't pay for that. <laughs> they, want to, they want to pay for the guys who can create shots and and that sort of thing. So Sadoransky could be a guy that they are able to bring in. I I also think he's he's somebody who is he's good, he's not great, and he's not going to be great. But I also don't think he's going to be a disaster. So meaning, I think he'll be reliably good for the next like you know three four years, and you know maybe he starts to decline past thirty or something like that. But he should still be an adequate player, you know, at least a rotation player for the next three to four years. And so they're pretty safe, I think, signing him, you know, barring, of course, he gets injured. That's that's a risk with every player. So well, that's a risk with everyone. And with him, it's he's a there's not a lot of downside right. with him. You know, if you if you give him five, six million a year even and, and, and maybe he doesn't get that. And by the way, if if over the course of the second half of this season, he uh, he blossoms, and and I do think that one of one of the things that at times holds him holds him back is he's he's maybe just not aggressive enough, and and when he's at his best, he's he he is he is a more aggressive version of himself. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you sign him, and it turns out that he he's a lot better than than what he's making then all of a sudden he becomes a trade asset right and 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 someone wants him and maybe he turns into a pick or a young player that you want or he's part of a package or something down the road uh it's it's the the asset management piece that the wizards front office has been sort of somewhat weak on in the past but um this is a guy who's who's pretty good let's let, let's keep him here and 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 he's not someone who you get the sense is, um, you know, 
he needs to be the man and wants to go somewhere where he can start or he's trying to make as much money as possible. Time will, will clearly tell on that, but I'm all in on uh, on trying to keep Sadoransky here for um, for his next contract. Yeah, I'm certainly open to that. I think they should also be open to the possibility of trading him because I do think that there are teams that will be in the playoff hunt who could use or in potentially be interested in a guy like Sadoransky to you know round out their rotation because he's he's an ideal third guard he, and he can even play some small forward as we saw and uh, he fits in a lot of different lineups because of his skill set and just the way that he plays you know he he can fit with I could see him fitting with basically everybody in the league yeah and so if you can get a first round pick or something and get off of a bad deal say you know, or if you can just get off of a bad deal, say they could get Mahin, get rid of Mahinmi, uh, in exchange for you know dealing Sadoransky, you know, at the cost of trading Sadoransky, I think you do it. Um, and oh yeah, you, I, you, I mean, you know I, what I'm saying. So I would say you've got to be open to trading him, but assuming that he doesn't get traded, um, bringing him back at a modest price is a would be a great move for the Wizards to make. Yeah, I I think. I'm I'm fine with that. I'm not. He's not someone who I'm looking to trade. I I understand your piece is sort of like they should be open to trading anyone on the roster, yes. and I am generally open to that. But given the fact that he's about to hit restricted free agency, I do think there is an opportunity to um to take advantage of that restricted free agency and lock him into a below market contract, and then you might get a better return on trading him in. In a year or or, or or two years, but yes, if the right trade came along yeah. for him right now, I'd 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 pull the trigger. I mean, like if Sac- uh, Sacramento, for example, if they decided, hey, you know what, let's let's make a run this year and see, you know, would round out a spot in our rotation, and they're willing to take on Mahinmi, and uh, you know they want Sadaransky. I mean, do it. Just right, <laughs> yeah. right. Well, and actually, that's that that's a good point because um, Sacramento is actually a they're almost an ideal trade partner for Ariza. Uh, Ariza fits great there. Yeah. Uh, they they need wing help, and 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 if the conversations are such that Sacramento says, "All right, you know, we're gonna we're gonna hold our nose and take Mahinmi as a way to get Ariza, but but we want Sadoransky's restricted free agency rights as part of the deal," then yeah, then 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 you do it. Yes, no brainer. So. You want to talk about Thomas Bryan a little bit? I would we, love or, to. Because I have like five more bullet points on wall, but um, well, actually I want to make, a, let's make a few more points on wall. Yeah. All right. So it seems like there was a, a, a breakdown in the sequencing of the Ubre trade and wall having season ending surgery a, a couple weeks later. Like, How do you make a win now move? knowing that Wall is dealing with these major health issues and then period I, you know you know knowing that 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 Wall might be on the on the precipice of of not playing anymore how, how do you give up a future asset in order to win now that's just well my that's gu- so weird my guess is that they didn't know this the extent of Wall's heel problem and so when they made that deal, they were thinking that Wall would be there and they were trying to salvage. I think that, but you why? know, they, they like, were, I don't know, like, shouldn't trying... they know? Well, but, but should, 
shouldn't they know? Like, I understand they can't know stuff that he's not willing to communicate with them. But isn't part of the 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 mark of a healthy organization that if you have a a general to specific sense of what your of what your guys are are are, are dealing with physically, it, it just the, well, the fact that I, I would just the, make a couple points. One. This is the same franchise that let Gilbert go out there. Gilbert Arenas returned to the court when he had like a, a, a like muscles in his leg that were atrophied. This is a team that let Otto Porter play in the playoffs last season with compartment syndrome in his leg, which could have cost him his lower leg. Um, By the way, know, so that's like the least reported thing out there. I would highly encourage people to Google compartment syndrome and just see how um, how serious. Po- uh, the the condition that Porter was dealing with is because somehow uh, you know you've got even smart guys like Zach Lowe saying that that Porter's um, he he said SOFT on his last yeah. on the last podcast of his that really really pissed me off because I, I just don't think people know what how serious the situation was neither here nor there yeah but this is um, so, these so, are just examples though of yeah. this is a franchise that has in in many instances put guys back out on the floor um, in situations where they were injured and it would seem like the franchise should have known better um, that they had information I mean they 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 gave Gilbert arenas a massive extension when they had information about his knee that I think you know, would have given a lot of other teams pause for make you know for giving him that kind of an extension. So they should have known, of course. It, it would make sense that they should have known that Wall's foot was you know a serious problem when they were making that trade. But my guess is they didn't. Yeah, I mean, the, the these are the perils of. Um, of mandates, you know, Leon's has made it known before the season that he's expecting them to win 50 games and he's expecting them to go to the conference finals. And, and because of that, if you're Grunfeld and I mean, the, the chance, the chance of them doing those things are, are, are slim to none, but knowing that that's your mandate to keep, presumably to keep your job, then you roll the dice. I mean, it, it's not a, it's not a, a high probability. It's not even a, it's a very low probability scenario. But if it's better than just, um, and I'm saying from his perspective, it, it's better than just doing nothing. Yeah, and the the other thing was that I think though with Ariza, that another factor is that they knew that their locker room situation, their team culture was bad, and yeah. they were. I think hoping that Trevor Reza could come in and command the respect again of his teammates and to help fix that problem. And I, yeah. so they were trying to salvage the season on a couple of bases, you know, and one is by getting, you know, better production, better play and, you know, better defense from, from Ariza than they were getting from um, certainly from Rivers and, you know, from Ubre as well. And then I think they were really hoping that he would inspire his teammates to clean up their act and to to work more together as teammates than they had been. And well, and that leads me, and that leads me to my last point on on Wall. This is a this is 
a prime example. This is exhibit A, whatever stupid cliche you want to call it. This is why you don't give super max contracts mm-hmm. to, to non super max players. And, and I, I know the argument that, that I succumbed to when, when we were talking about this, when, when the deal was signed is people were saying, well, you know, you can't just, you can't just get great players on, uh, on the shelf at the grocery store kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that, that's true. I, I think when well, it require it requires a um, a sober assessment of 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 how good you know said player is. But but yes, that's it, that was be, where I was going. That was the point I was one of the points I was going to make, which is well, there's a couple points to that to that whole like supermarket analogy, right? And so the first of those is that you have to evaluate like the player. So like yeah, you can't just go to the supermarket and get a great player. But Wall wasn't a great player. Wall was a very good player, and there's a there is a difference. You know that that's the difference between LeBron or Chris Paul and Wall, and that difference is significant, and that shows up in the win loss column. You, you don't just because Wall seemed like the only player available at that point doesn't mean that you have to break your bank and spend every penny that you have. To resign him, they could have well, negotiated and that's a deal. Precisely and then where I was, they, they, there are more players. There are always going to be more players. That was my point. That you know, there is always another path forward because the the mortal fear, right, is that was that they didn't give Wall that contract when when they had the opportunity to do so, and and if they didn't, he was going to be upset, and and he was going to leave, and and that's what what fans and I think and organizations fear the most is that. Is that you? Uh, a guy leaves, and you quote unquote get nothing for him. Mm-hmm. Well, well, first of all, you know, once a once a guy signals he's not going to resign, uh, you, you you trade him, and and you know maybe you don't get quote unquote full value for him, but then you're also not saddled with with the bad contract. And the team who looks the best in this regard right now is Sacramento. Is the freaking Sacramento Kings? Who said we are not going to give Demarcus Cousins the you know the supermax deal, which by the way, um, ironically enough, he's out you know from from an Achilles also. Yeah. And they got roundly killed for for trading him for Buddy Heald and a and a first round pick. Well, meanwhile, um, unbelievably, you know the Kings are the surprise of the NBA this year. They are in playoff contention in the western conference which means invariably they're they're good they're young and oh by the way they've got unbelievable flexibility going forward they've got something like 60 you know 40 or 60 million dollars in cap space this summer such that they can be opportunistic and take on guys like trevor ariza because the wizards need to get out of the luxury tax and um Mm -hmm. they you know they got their picks and they they have young players and they have the ability to continue to make those kinds of trades and obviously hindsight's 2020 in this i get that i'm not saying that um that it was obvious to not sign wall to this deal but the lesson in it is overpaying to this level for someone out of fear that they might leave is is just 
not a good way to go. And and that's what the Wizards are going to be dealing with over the course of this wall contract. Yes, they will. And I, I agree with the that's the lesson. And I think part of the lesson, too, is that you have to like ruthlessly evaluate your players and, and determine how good they really are. And that, you know, what are they really, truly doing, you know, and, and to move past. You mean Austin Rivers didn't just become good once he, the Wizards traded for him? Uh, well, no, he, 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 first of all, no, he did not. And uh, second of all, you know, but that that's the that's the real, I think, lesson is that you've got to really, really evaluate those players and to to really know how good they are. And then the other thing is to stop being so afraid of, of, of guys leaving. Um, you know, obviously, like LeBron leaves, that's one thing. Uh, you know, with Wall, you, you can manage around losing a John Wall in a way that you can't if LeBron or Durant or... Well, but Oklahoma City managed to be pretty good even after Durant left. So my the the point is that you you've got to be really careful about you know entering into those massive deals because you're going you could end up getting stuck with something like what the wizards have where they're going to be paying you know double what the production is worth at least so all right well let's talk about something happy now let's talk about Thomas Bryant who makes everyone happy who makes himself happy who Let's we, we kill Ernie Grunfeld deservedly so. Let's give let let's give Ernie and the Wizards front office credit for for claiming Thomas Bryant after the Lakers um you know, put him on waivers this summer. Yeah. Um inexplicably. Inexplicably. Um yeah, the you know, Lakers fans should be should be playing sliding doors with, with that one. But um Thomas Bryant has been really good. So my question for you is how 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 good has he been? How good is he? Well, he's been their most productive player. You know, I've got him with a PPA of 194 and Say that again. 194. PPA of 194, which is Well, the part before that is Thomas Bryant has been the Wizards' most productive player, which is another way of saying that he has contributed most to their to their wins of any single player so far, correct? Yeah, well, yeah, on a per-possession basis, he's their most right. productive player. In terms of totals, right. no, and that's because, of course, he's you know he's only playing 16.8 minutes per game. So as he, his playing time rises, we'll see where that goes, and you know we'll also see if he can keep it up because he's only at 450 minutes. But I will say, you know, he's got some really remarkable. I was watching, you know, the end of that, uh, I think it was Phoenix, the triple overtime game. Yeah. And uh, my wife uh, came in and watched the last three overtimes with me. And so she saw the Thomas Bryant show and he is now her favorite player. And and she like wants his jersey and all this kind of stuff. My wife doesn't know the name of like any NBA players, um, but she is a Thomas Bryant fan. (laughs) Well, you know, impressive skill set. Like he... he can. He, he's got good hands. The way he finishes is, um, you know, good good footwork. All that stuff. He's got a good feel but, for the game. Yeah. Yeah, but but, and you've made this point on Twitter. What part of what makes Brian good, and you know, to to, to and and puts him in the Otto Porter Sadaransky family, <laughs> is that he 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 plays his role. 
Yeah. He's not, he's sort of like the anti-Andre Blatch. He's not uh, trying behind the back, uh, uh, pull up jumpers and stuff like that. He knows what he has to do and he does it really, really well and doesn't try and doesn't try to do stuff that, that he can or shouldn't be doing. Yeah, there's a, I mean, that that shot chart against Phoenix was just fantastic. You're talking about 14 for 14, and all 14 of those shots came from inside of the restricted area. You know, that's just outlandish. And this is, but this is a lesson that keeps getting taught over and over again. I mean, DeAndre Jordan was an extremely successful uh, player and, um, you know, max salary kind of producer, um, basically doing the same thing. You know, I think it's something like 80-some percent of Andre uh, DeAndre Jordan's field goal attempts for his career have been from inside that restricted area, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. Clint Capella is much the same where, you know, most of his shots come from close in. And just by focusing on things like rebounding, playing defense, getting some offensive rebounds and and uh, scoring close to the basket, you can be a really productive big man in the NBA. Now, Bryant, I think he's got a lot to still work on. And um, but he's 21, you know, that, that's well, pretty normal and the, for 21. Years. I mean, obviously he has things to work on. But the other interesting thing about him is while he is hyper efficient in close and he's uh, and he's shooting mostly in close, he's also he shows range. I mean, he's um, yeah, uh, obviously a, a very we're talking about a small number of shots, but he's he's shooting 86 percent between 16 feet and the three-point line yeah but isn't that, um, that that's like five for six or something <laughs> I, I think it's I, I think it's well i don't know you, um right but but, but, but the point, point is, is, is like there's it, something yeah. to build on there yeah and at indiana i mean he was a 38 percent uh three-point shooter at, in his last year at indiana um, you know, he, he seems to have some skills and, and stuff. There's some things, I, like I said, I'd like to see him do a lot better um, in certain areas, but he's 21. Shoots 84% from the line. Yeah. Um, uh, granted, all this stuff is small sample size theater. I get it. Uh, but but he seems like, I mean, when's the last time the Wizards had a promising young big man? Yeah. Um, there was There's like the five seconds that Kevin Serafin looked um looked like a credible NBA player and then um, he traveled. Uh, so that's that's something worth being interesting interested and excited about. Now uh, Bryant is also uh, impending restricted free agent, is that correct? That's right. Um, and so the wizards are over the luxury tax and and they've got a bloated payroll and all this stuff. So what type of contract can the Wizards sign him to? Well, they do have his early bird rights because they claimed him off waivers. Um, and if they'd let him clear waivers, they, they wouldn't. But they have early bird rights. And so what that means is that they can give him... It's a 175% of his current salary or 105% of the league average salary, whichever is higher. So they can basically offer him the higher of those will be the, uh, the 105 of the average salary. So we're talking about something starting about 9.5 to 9.6 million. My salary formula has his value um, a little over 11 million based on playing 16.8 minutes per game. So as his playing time increases, 
assuming he maintains something close to this level of production, he would be worth considerably more than that. Um, but yeah, the, I, you know, they don't have to make the decision right this second, obviously, but it'll be interesting to see if he's able to maintain this as a scouting report gets out on him and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, that's, so anyway, that's where the, uh, the salary, what they would be able to offer him because he was a second round pick. Other teams are restricted in what they can offer him. Thank you, Gilbert Arenas and the Washington Wizards. Um, that they they are limited then so the wizards would be able to match um, any offer that another team makes um, you know using this hundred using their early bird rights and all that so th- they can keep him um, so is this but the, it may so cost them the some maximum, money. is that the maximum salary therefore that anyone can give him well in the first two years the most anybody can give him I believe it's the the mid-level um, for the first two years and then in the third year of the contract, it can go up to the maximum. So, so it would be like that, uh, something along the lines of like those the Jeremy Lin, yes. Tyler Johnson contracts. That if someone if someone really wanted him or wanted to screw the Wizards over, um, they they could sign him to to one of those deals. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, something obviously to monitor. Not not. Not something the Wizards or you or you and I need to figure out today, but uh, restricted free agency sucks for players. But having Bryant and Sadoransky as restricted free agents um, could be a good thing. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there's going to be a lot of money out there this summer, and uh, when teams strike out on on some big players, they might say, "All right, well, you know, the Wizards can't go deep, deep, deep into the tax for." For mid-level guys, let's let's throw some big offers out there. So they've got to be that they've got to be um, mindful about how they deal with this, and also about trying to get under the tax the, um, the at some point before the season's out here. Yeah, and I mean Bryant going into free agency, I would think he's likely to be fairly attractive. You know, he's twenty-two. He'll be he'll be twenty-two. And he presumably will be at least an above-average player by the end of the year. So, you know, it, it would seem like he should be a fairly attractive uh, player to a number of teams, I would think, in free agency. So it'll be interesting to see what, what the Wizards are able to do. And then it'll also be, I'm just really interested to see if he can keep this up and for how long and, you know, whether he's actually good or if he's just having kind of a hot streak and he's going to cool off and it'll be like you know Jan Vesely who was was really good for a few weeks and in Seraphin who was good for a little while and then just disappeared and never was any good again we still have one more thing to talk about and that is now what (laughs) so so Wall's out for the year and I and because of the schedule and because the Wizards are about to get Porter back I wouldn't be surprised if they went on a little bit of a run mm-hmm. um and because obviously you know most people just don't understand how good porter is and that's a discussion we've had and we don't need to get into right now but but what what should the wizards be trying to do at this point what what should the organizational priorities be given their record and the fact that they're starting point guards out for the year and they have a bunch of guys on expiring contracts, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if it was me, 
I would be looking at this as an opportunity to try to do something like what, uh, say, San Antonio did when uh, David Robinson hurt his back. And they sort of, they didn't sort of tank, they did tank, and they ended up with Tim Duncan. And there is a huge prize in this year's draft. Uh, you know, Zion uh, is, uh, he's a pretty pretty remarkable player and looks like he's going to be a great NBA player. And uh, if the Wizards could luck into um luck into him that would be fantastic and that could significantly change the franchise's fortunes you know for the next decade so that's certainly by the way simple. i was very heartened that like two people got my um lauren hill marching to zion reference <laughs> uh and and my uh I, I tweeted about it after the wall injury yeah so that made me feel good yeah um but so and and fred katz talked about that in his He's so good in his uh, his you know what do the wizards do now piece the the one year mini tank would certainly be attractive. I mean, what's the downside, right? Um, you know, so 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 you get the six pick in the draft draft or the eight pick in the draft, but um, but it's not like you're missing out on a deep playoff run this year or anything right. by, by choosing to go that direction. So the question is how you do that. Um, you know, you can't, you can't just sit Beal and Porter. Right. Uh, so, so you probably need to, um, need to trade some rotation guys, which they have reason to do. I mean, like a Ariza, you know, now that walls hurt and, and, they're not going to win 50 games and all that stuff. Um, they should be looking to move Ariza and Jeff Green and Keefe and, and these guys who are on expiring deals um, to, to see if they can um, get under the tax and, and maybe lose a couple more games. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, bring in, if you can, get get young guys back. And they should also, if... If it's possible, they should be trying to get out of that Jan Mahinmi deal one way or the other. Um, you know, we, we mentioned Sacramento as a potential taker of, of Mahinmi. Um, but any team that's willing to take him, I mean, you're, you, it, obviously you don't give up your first round pick this year because that would what would be the point of tanking at that point. But um, And it, it may be that they just have to stretch him. Uh, and, you know, stretching him now or after the season really doesn't make that much difference to them financially. The difference is only about uh, 200000 a year, um, whether they do it, like, right now or they do it after the season. So, um, that, like I said, there's no particular rush to do it. They're, you know, you could do it later in, this, in the season. But so if they, if they stretch the final season of his contract, so basically after next league year starts, his $16 million cap hit would be stretched out over three years so it would drop by 11 million bucks or so next year roughly and then they would and then they'd have about 5.1 million dollars in dead money for the following two seasons yes uh i mean on the one hand that's a lot of money to be sitting dead when they're already overpaying wall so drastically on the other hand um I mean, they got to get out of sixteen million dollars for Jan Mandy next year, especially if they if they needed to to keep a twenty two year old center um, and and John Wall's uh, backup. 
Yeah, right? man, that that 2016 summer is just the gift that keeps on giving. Jeez. We're not going to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so, so they should, first and foremost, they, they should, uh, they should trade Ariza, but I, I, I think, well, not trade Ariza. First and foremost, they should be looking for deals that do some combination of save them money this year to get them under the luxury tax. Yes. Um, bring back any future assets um, and if possible, both. I mean, I'm skeptical that I think Ariza is the only guy that could accomplish both of those things in, in one trade. I actually do really think that, like, for instance, Sacramento is so far under the tax. Well, well, one other thing that they would want to do in an ideal world in a trade is to trade for good players who are, um, or potentially good players, who are under contract for next year because they have... The, all they're going to have is their exceptions, and they have so few um, few guys under contract. So, would Sacramento trade them Bielitsa for Ariza straight up? Um, you know, Bielitsa's not great, and he's not young, but he's decent. You know, he's I yeah. think he's rotation worthy, mm-hmm. and so um, and and he's signed for relatively cheap, and you make that deal, and and you're under the tax. Or um, or do you or, or do you do something you know possibly to get them to take Mahinmi? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, other the one thing about Ariza is that he can't be aggregated with another player. My question about that is: Can is there anything that prevents teams from basically making two trades? Like, could mm. could the Wizards trade Ariza to the Lakers straight up for Caldwell Pope and? trade Keith Morris to the Lakers for Michael Beasley and Moritz Wagner such that, you know, functionally it's one trade, but procedurally it's two. Yeah, that, so the league rules allow for teams to configure trades in any way that's advantageous to them. So, and and the thing that's kind of weird and interesting is that the teams can actually make the trades, configure the trades differently. So the Lakers, like receiving, could oh, they could can? configure the trade. Yeah, could configure the trade one way, call it one thing, and the Wizards could configure it a different way. And that's why, huh. yeah. So it, basically, the answer to your see, question this is, is why yes. I talked to you. Yeah. I would have had no idea. I yeah. thought that I thought that that trades, you know, they had to be one thing. So mm-hmm. so I, I wrote down a bunch of potential Ariza deals. So if Something so the Lakers make sense. I and they were reported to have wanted him. Mm-hmm. So if they, if I they do wonder dump, just on the Lakers thing if part yeah. of making the deal to get Ariza, there was sort of a handshake agreement to not trade him to the Lakers because I know that the um, uh, the Phoenix ownership in front office got a raft of uh, criticism for um, you know waving Chandler and having him just go straight to the Lakers. So yeah. Well, and so that's, uh, yeah, the, God forbid the Wizards uh, not be able to make trades with Phoenix anymore. That's like, uh, you know, that accounts for probably a third of their roster over <laughs> over the last few years. But f- fair point. Um, Portland is someone worth looking at mm-hmm. um, because I think you, they could make a trade around Mo Harkless, who is decent, 
but they don't like but Portland doesn't seem to think so. They don't play him. And and so um the Wizards could make a deal. They could get back Harkless, who's still relatively young. I think he's like twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Um and uh Portland's got their own financial issues, so they would get off Harkless's deal for next year. And I think they would think that Ariza upgrades them for a potential playoff run. I I know the Knicks, obviously the Knicks want to clear cap space. Mm-hmm. So maybe you look at something around Courtney Lee because he's signed for next year. I think a Utah deal could make sense. Uh, maybe the Pelicans do something desperate and stupid. I, I don't think there's a shortage of teams who, you know, the, the way you said it, there's no shortage of teams who would have interest in Satoransky. I, I think there's at least a half dozen teams who who would be interested in giving up something of value for Ariza. Um, and if I'm running the Wizards, I'm trying to figure out what that very best package is. Yeah, and I think, again, if if the Wizards could find a way to, to offload Mahinmi in that part of that, he, he's worth it's worth giving up uh, some extra value to do that, even if it's at the cost of like a Sadoransky. Um, just to create additional flexibility, you know, you can you can get guys who can be solid rotation players, but um, it's 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 hard harder to do when you have sixteen million dollars or fifteen point five, whatever it is next, whatever Mahimi's number is, is just a waste of of money. I'm very skeptical. Just to be clear, I'm I'm very yeah, skeptical too. that they can find a taker for um, for Mahimi because and if you're Sacramento and if you've been this patient and you've got all this cap space yep um you know just why right just, just why absolutely um and on that cheery note kevin i think we should uh vault ourselves into 2019 with great joy and enthusiasm mm-hmm. um <laughs> that's a great response uh-huh yeah sure um let's do that <laughs> uh, let's let's do that um do you have anything that you're working on or anything that you want to plug or should people just follow you on twitter yeah just follow me on twitter broom under at broom underscore kevin they can follow me on twitter and they can follow our uh, twitter podcast i mean our podcast account too which is so underscore at so underscore wizards and uh, we don't tweet much from that just when we have a new episode yeah um so i have a couple things first of all um please check out all the good stuff that's going on on bullets forever um they're very nice and and they, they blast out our uh, our pod. Um, the other thing is, so I, a lot of my Wizards Twitter friends are um, are old like me, and <laughs> or like us, I should say, yeah. and are um, into old school hip hop. And there is a new podcast that a friend of mine has just come out with. It's actually, it's an autobiography that, um, it's an audio book that's being released in uh in podcast form called why you'll never be a rapper um and i i really want people to check it out the first episode it's like a 10 minute teasers out um it's really interesting i know i know some of the stories that are going to come out in uh in this podcast and it's incredible so um if you uh if you have 10 minutes to spare give it a listen it's on uh Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and some other places. Why I'll never be a rapper. Um, so yeah, check us out on Twitter. Go Bullets Forever. Go Wizards. So Wizards. Talk to you later.